Let's go to the movies, an award season podcast. Welcome to season three, episode two. Today we are going to be talking about Dune and the French Dispatch. So inadvertently doing a Timothy Chalamet double feature. Let's jump right in. Dune came out in October 2021. It was part of the Warner Brothers dual release plan where it was released in the theater and on HBO Max simultaneously. I did see this one in the theater. It was directed by Denis Villeneuve and it has a Rotten Tomato score of 82%. The plot I'm going to give you is from someone who is very unfamiliar with the story. That someone is me. Uh, it is very set very far in the future. It follows a royal family that is instructed to move to a planet and produce spice, which is regarded as one of the most lucrative elements in this galaxy. Meanwhile, the emperor who sends this family to this planet is ultimately planning to overthrow them. Chaos ensues, and then the movie ends. Because unbeknownst to me, this was a part one, and there is going to be a part two coming out eventually to conclude the story. Now, Villeneuve is very noted for his style, his cinematography. He most recently did Blade Runner 2049. He also has done Arrival, Sicario, Prisoners, and Enemy. I didn't really have much expectation going in to this film beyond thinking it looked pretty epic and visually enthralling. Also knowing that the director was kind of known for that visual aspect. The cast was also a draw, of course. It was a lot of fresh, notable faces. It was also one of the only Warner Brothers movies of 2021 that I made an adamant point to see in the theater because I knew how much effort and work was put in by the film crew and the filmmaker. And I knew that that was their intention was for it to be seen on a big screen. So I kind of just wanted to honor that vision that they had. And it was worth it. And I don't know if it's still in some theater somewhere. With distribution things kind of being all over the place, there is a chance it's somewhere. So if you are able to catch it in a theater, still, I say go for it. Otherwise, if you have a large television, probably watch it on that. As I mentioned at the start of this review, I felt like I wasn't really in on the backstory or had much knowledge of the story that a lot of other people I knew had going into it. But it did not deter me. I went anyway. And I actually really enjoyed it. I kind of felt like I got lost in the visuals and the world that they created. And I was able to follow it enough to feel invested. And it kind of gave me a lot of Star Wars vibes. In the sense that I wasn't super big into Star Wars. Initially watched all of those movies in 2020. And now I really enjoy that whole universe. Same kind of idea. So if that aspect of it deterred you at all, try to get past that and give it a chance because I definitely think it's worth watching. So this was actually the third making of a Dune adaptation. The part two sequel was only secured after the success of the first one. It was originally set to release in late 2020, but it was delayed, of course, ultimately coming out in October of 2021. 
Uh, so just kind of a little bit of how it got to its ultimate release date. Legendary Entertainment acquired the rights in 2016 with Villeneuve attached to the project by 2017. Filming began in early 2019. And upon Warner Brothers announcing the release plan, the director was very displeased alongside Legendary. There are several articles that have came out kind of discussing all of this, uh, like in Variety, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, things of that nature. Essentially, they felt blindsided by the dual release decision. Explicitly in Variety, Villeneuve wrote, Streaming can produce great content, but not movies of Dune's scope and scale. Piracy will ultimately triumph. And he also noted that his team and himself devoted three years of their lives to make it a unique big screen experience. The movie's images and sounds were meticulously designed to be seen in theaters. So that was kind of his overall point that he had in regards to that decision to release it in that dual fashion. Now, Legendary continued to push back with Warner Brothers, but never backed down. Excuse me. Warner Brothers never backed down on their plan. On October 17th, the film was leaked online ahead of its U.S. release which, of course, just adds to the piracy aspect of it all. I also recently, I guess not so recently anymore as it is a new year now, but prior to it releasing in October, I remember reading that they had still been pushing for it to be released separate from the dual release. So literally the compromise there was Warner Brothers was like, okay, well, we're releasing in theaters one day before we put it on the streaming site. So, you know, kind of a little tacky, in my opinion, in how that was handled. Kind of unfortunate that it got pirated so quickly on both platforms. But I guess that's just the result of trying these new release methods and distribution methods and kind of just seeing how those cards fell. Um, apart from that, I'll get a little more now into my overall thoughts and review of this movie. Now, the first thing I wanted to touch on was some of the technical aspect because I read some stuff about it and I thought it was really interesting. Most notably that this movie contained more than 2000 visual effects shots, which were created explicitly for the film. And something interesting was that they used a unique chroma key process called sand screen instead of the standard green based backgrounds. And they did that so that it would match the desert establishing shots create a more natural result in case anything got overlooked or, you know, there's a lot of sand blown around. Just kind of gave it more of a natural feel should any of that reflect through. The sound for the desert scenes was also captured naturally, and then they added all of that in in post. So those were just two little facts technically that I thought were pretty interesting, especially after you see the scope of everything. You literally feel like you're just stuck in this huge desert the entire time. So it's kind of cool that they kind of honored that, tried to keep it as genuine as they could without actually filming in a desert. <laughs> so as I was saying, the my plot that I gave, just kind of recap that before I go into it a little deeper, just kind of creating this idea of really far in the future, power, trying to maintain power, trying to control the lucrative resources in this vast wasteland. 
kind of felt like it could have been an exaggerated glimpse of what the world could be if thousands of years from now most of the resources are depleted and everyone's just kind of fighting over one thing. So that message did feel like it was there, but it wasn't the most prominent thing. Like, I don't think they were trying to, like, shove it in your face. It was just obviously something you could kind of pick up on from watching it. My biggest takeaway was this Messiah arc that they seem to be laying into for the Paul Atreides character, who is Timothy Chalamet's character. And it kind of felt like he was being prophesized as kind of like a chosen one to lead the people on this planet that they were sent to into a better life. So it was kind of like all these little nods, like the way people referenced him and the traits he had. And they're like, oh, he knows our language and he's never really even been here. And just things like that, that they kind of leaned into. And I obviously don't know how this story wraps up, but I would assume putting that emphasis there that they are going to complete that arc in some way. And he's going to like the movie ends with him like escaping this world. And it kind of gave me like the whole deliver us from Egypt type of vibe. And I'm wondering if that is supposed to be one of the overarching themes of the film or of the film series. So I'm very curious to see kind of how it plays out. But that definitely was a huge thing that I picked up on just as a casual viewer. And it did seem to be the most prominent imagery and message, really. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but at the same time, we'll see. Uh, I didn't really have too many other notes because I think I was just kind of enthralled in trying to learn what the world was and what the story was going to be. But I guess all I would say is that it was an entertaining movie. It kind of reminds me of Star Wars. And it kind of has me excited to see what happens next. So if you were interested at all, I would definitely give it a chance. If anything, it's just kind of a good distraction from reality. And if you're sick with COVID, as everyone seems to be these days, pop it in, give it a watch. In regards to award season, uh, I assume it would be nominated for several things. Cinematography, score, costume design, production design, and editing were the main things that I noted. Obviously, cinematography is usually a shoe-in for this director. Uh, maybe something with technical graphics, visual effects, that aspect, just with how much they put into that aspect of it. Um, so we'll see kind of how that plays out. But that is Dune. Give it a watch. Next up, we have The French Dispatch by Wes Anderson. This movie has a score of 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. The plot of the movie is that it literally takes you inside this magazine. You hear all these different stories. It's kind of a nod to journalism, different types of storytelling. And ultimately, I would say, I guess the plot is kind of following the work that this one man put together as ultimately he dies. And it's kind of a reflection of him by the end of everything. If you haven't seen a Wes Anderson film, I'm going to list a few that he has done, including Isle of Dogs, which was in 2018, which was actually his last film. So it's been a minute since he's had something out. 
The Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Darjeeling Limited, just to name a few. Immediately, the one thing I thought after seeing this was that this was one of the most Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movies I've ever seen. If you haven't seen a Wes Anderson movie and you watch this movie, you will completely understand his style of filmmaking. Like, there's no hiding it, no sugarcoating it. Like, it's just straight up Wes Anderson. And I honestly think it kind of hurt my brain a little (laughs) towards the end because it's just, it's a lot to pay attention to and focus on. He does a lot with the colors, a lot with the production design. There's a lot of details. You have to really pay attention. Which is not a bad thing, but it is something that you should be aware of if you haven't seen a movie by him or you haven't seen this one particularly yet. So a little bit of backstory on how this movie ended up getting released. It was first announced in late 2018. Uh, Wes Anderson himself calling it a love letter to journalists. It was filmed in late 2018 into 2019. Of course, delayed from its original 2020 release ultimately came out the end of 2021. This one came out directly to theaters, no dual release. I did see it in the theater. At this time of my recording, it is already available. You can buy the DVD, so I'm sure it's on a video demand. It's probably on a streaming site somewhere. Point being, it is available to watch easily at this time. Now, As I mentioned, it is considered a love letter to journalists. It was inspired by Wes Anderson's love of the New Yorker. Some of the characters and events that are portrayed are inspired by real-life equivalents from that magazine. It was filmed in the south of France. It was based on a fictional town called Ennui-sur-Blas, which translates literally to boredom upon apathy, which I think is an interesting way kind of convey like a tone like indirectly because I feel like in a way like the vibe of a Wes Anderson movie can be apathetic kind of has that that hipster kind of feel to it so learning that little fact when I was making some notes about this movie gave me a laugh (laughs) so an interesting thing though also about how they filmed it they actually found an empty factory to use for all the sets that they needed. Which makes a lot of sense when you watch it because there are a lot of scenes where like one background literally looks like it's rolling in and the other one's kind of rolling out. Like kind of like that style of like a barn door, how it slides open. And a lot of the sets were like that. And a lot of a lot of movement and a lot of what looked like kind of one take stuff, like moving the sets in, moving to another part of the scene. Which in itself is really awesome. Um, so you cannot discredit Wes Anderson's creativity in how he films. Like just based on that alone. As I was mentioning, the movie literally feels like you're in a magazine. You're reading each article in each section. Like there's like a title that'll come up on the screen. Which would kind of indicate the section like arts and leisure obituaries like things of that nature and then it would kind of go through the story so in a way it didn't really have an overall storyline it was kind of like a little set of small stories all kind of tied together by like a very common thread which was the magazine (laughs) 
And there was, as I mentioned, I guess the main plot would just be kind of following the editor of the magazine before he ultimately dies, which they kind of like nod to at the beginning. It was, I, I feel like a broken record, but it was just Wes Anderson on full display. <laughs> he used a lot of different colors, a lot of different styles for each story. Uh, just kind of as an example, like one of his stories was fully in black and white. One of them featured some animation. So there was definitely like different tones and it kind of in a way was highlighting the different types of styles he likes to use when he films. But yeah, it was a lot <laughs> to digest. <laughs> As I mentioned, less of an overall movie, more of little vignettes. It did literally feel like you're watching a, an art piece of artwork, like a painting coming to life, essentially. So I did enjoy it. I don't know that I would want to watch it again necessarily, but I definitely think it's worth watching just in the style and how it was filmed. Uh, in terms of awards, Wes Anderson usually gets awards attention. Production design, obviously. Editing, perhaps. Directing, perhaps. I know he's gotten Best Picture nominations in the past. I always put my money in on production design for him. So that's usually his bread and butter. So I'm going to go with that as my prediction for this season. But again, you never know with the Academy. And as they do like movies about journalists, I'm sure it'll get a lot of attention. And that is The French Dispatch. On the next episode, I'm going to be discussing Being the Ricardos, which is currently on Amazon Prime, and Spencer, which is currently available for rental on video on demand. And I'm going to be featuring my first guest of the season. Thank you for listening today and for joining me on yet another trip to the movies.